0: Hello, and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, my friends. It has been a while, but I am happy to report some pretty big changes are happening in my life, and as such, I hope to be able to do this on a more regular basis going forward. Um, Just to catch you up, my part-time job is now becoming my full-time job. In the workplace that I've been at for 12 years will be no more. Well, it will still be there. I just won't. It's truly a a risk and taking a chance, but it's such a great opportunity for me to be able to chase my dreams and passions. It allows me to start focusing on myself again. And that's something that I don't think I've done very well, especially the last two, three months, maybe. Um, I'm going to get to prioritize my workouts and have a life. I don't know what normal people do when they only work one job. When you only have five days a week, maybe six, sometimes here and there that you have to go to work. It, it's it been like five years for me since I've done that. So um, I, this is going to be quite, quite a, an adventure. And more to come on that soon. Um, I have five days remaining of my full-time job. uh, And next weekend, the first week in December, I will transition into my new role. Um, For those wondering, I will be a manager at my new job. Same job, new role, full-time, whatever. You get what I'm saying. Let's see what else is new. Um, on Thanksgiving Day, I ran my first 5K with my best friend and her uh, athletic supporter husband. Um, he was supposed to run with us as well, but you know, as we get older, things start hurting more. Uh, so I'll be honest, the best part about the whole thing was the warming up by the fire um, afterwards. No, it, it, seriously, it uh, it was cold, windy, it snowed. I mean, all the bad parts that you can think of for winter in Wisconsin, um, it happened. And it was like sideways wind and it was just ridiculousness. So um, that was one of the coolest things. Uh, talk about the universe just saying, hey, maybe you should have stayed home this year. But the run was hard uh, with some challenging hills that were thrown in there. Um, Many times I was swearing under my breath. It could have been out loud for all I know, but since I had my headphones in, who can say for sure? But the race gave me a few things back as well. So a goal that I had been working on a bit more diligently earlier this year, I was able to see that through. Um, It gave me time. To truly say, you know what I want to do this, and then put your money where your mouth is, kind of thing. Um, also, thanks to my friend for that because I probably would have just completely skipped it if she didn't um, insist. <laughs> uh, you know, it it gave me a time to start working on. Now I know what. Baseline, shall we say? Uh, I can only get better from here, um, and it gives me that target to to keep my eye on. Um, and you know, it gave me memories of doing something really fun with a friend. And even though we don't run side by side out there, she's a little faster than I am. Um, having done a lot of this type of thing. Um, that also gives me a challenge. It gives me something to push towards because maybe someday I could run side by side with her and it's something that we would be able to do um, and have fun doing side by side. Um, I've always wanted to be one of those people that does these runs and enjoys them. So I look forward to the day that I can do it without... Hurting because <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm paying for it today um, and yesterday. It was uh, quite something, but you know, it's it's one of those things that I'll be able to look back on and be able to say, "Remember when we did that 5K for my first one? It was the shittiest weather ever." And we can laugh and laugh. You know, I'm not laughing right now because I think I'm still thawing out. But I suppose someday I'll get a good chuckle out of it. Um, and you know, I, I want to be able to enjoy these things and part of being able to do that is making time for myself to work on these things. So I'll be able to do that now with my job shifting. Um, I will be able to dedicate more time to my fitness and my health. Um, you know, and it's, It's something that I have a goal, and we'll see what happens going forward. It also dawned on me the other day that I have never seen any uh, movies in the Marvel Universe. Um, I don't even remember how I came across them, but... uh, I realized, wow, I'd never seen Captain America, and then I was looking through the list, and I was like, oh, I've never seen Iron Man or Thor or, you know, any of these. And, um, so I decided it's time that I change that and I start working through those movies. Um, so I am doing chronological order, not theatrical release order. So, uh, similar to how you can change things up with the Star Wars universe. For Marvel, they start you with Captain America and then Captain Marvel and then Iron Man 1 and 2. Um, So that's where I'm at right now. I'm going to start recording some new shows with, um, with the Marvel movies just to talk about them because there are things that I really do like and there are things that I'm not a fan of. So today, let's talk about a movie that I finally had a chance to get to the theater and see, um, and that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, I have seen the preview for this on a number of occasions, um, and I knew it was coming years ago, uh, but I'll be honest. So I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan, I loved the original franchise. First and second movie. Now the second one wasn't nearly as good. They were just, I think, trying to get a little bit more money from their cash cow and it wasn't nearly as well done and it was a little odder. Uh, But the original Ghostbusters was really good. And I... I think it's, it's something that had they put some more thought into, they probably could have continued it on. But, um, so the first movie and then the second movie, and then we had nothing for years and years. And then they came out with Ghostbusters with an all-female cast in 2016. And I have never seen it. I don't plan on ever seeing it, not because I'm against Ghostbusters being all women. Um, Because for as funny as Melissa McCarthy is, every movie she's in turns to crap. And I know that I'm probably alone in a lot of that because I didn't like... um, what's that one? Bridesmaid. I hated that movie. Absolutely hated it. It was so gross. But then again, too, I don't like comedies. So I don't know if maybe I would enjoy her movies more if I was into comedies. But um, So I never saw the 2016 version. I admit I will not give it a chance. Uh, But this one, I was interested. So good cast. It... Uh, I knew that the original cast was going to be returning and um, it just seemed like it had some good uh, direction. So that being said, I was really excited to finally see after... Gosh, I think it's been like two years of it. Originally, it was going to come out um, in 2019, and then it was pushed back to 20, and then the pandemic. So it was pushed back to 21 or some something along those lines. And so, was it the best movie I've ever seen? No, it wasn't. Was it highly entertaining? You bet. For a Ghostbusters fan, it was a great nod to a wonderful franchise. So, if you truly like Ghostbusters and maybe you've seen it recently, um, you'll be able to pick out a lot of a lot of the similarities. Uh, they brought a lot of the props. They brought a lot of the mannerisms of different characters. They tried to include as much from the original Ghostbusters, I think, as they could. And I think true fans of the franchise will be able to connect them together and see how this movie is a sequel to movies one and two while just, you know, very Terminator-esque where you just skip all the crap that was made in between and you kind of have a do-over. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie yet and, and uh, you want to see it, you don't want me to ruin anything save this one for later. If either you've seen it already, you don't care about it and just want to listen to my thoughts, then listen at your own risk. Um, so funny enough, this movie actually had me chuckling out loud in a few spots. I'm not one that laughs in a movie theater very often. Um, I will at home on occasion if I'm watching a movie, but it's not typical for me at a theater. Uh, but this one really did... Made me chuck. It just really did make me chuckle. Um, First of all, the kids that were cast in this film, I loved every single one of them. It was great to see Finn Wolfhard in something again after the movie It. Uh, He did the remake of It. Which pause on this. I have seen far too many remake, sequels, redos, do overs. I don't care what you want to call it. Every franchise that was big in my childhood is like having a resurgence because I i don't know why. I don't know if it's because people in my generation are like, I love this because I saw parts of the original thing that I loved in this new movie and so therefore I connect with it. Um, I'm not sure, but... Clearly, Hollywood has run out of original ideas because they're stealing all the good stuff from the 80s and 90s. And someday I hope they remember how to how to make new things. Um, but anyway, so it it's good to see him in something after the It franchise. He's a really decent actor, but I'm afraid that with Stranger Things and It, he's going to sort of get pigeonholed there. Um, the other thought that I had was, wow, he grew up and they are going to have a super hard time in stranger things, convincing me that these kids are kids. Um, I already know some of the actors have like shot up the, uh, the boys, especially because that's what boys do. They just all of a sudden grow like a weed. Um, so the boys look really mature now. And I think that's going to be harder for them to sell stranger things. Um, his sister, Phoebe, uh, was a delightful, nerdy kid, and I couldn't quite put my finger on who she was, but I knew that I had seen her, like her face. I knew the hair didn't necessarily match her, but something with her face was really recognizable. Um, eagle-eyed fans will recognize her from The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, she played Esther Keyes, who we saw in the last season. Um, she was the young, uh, the young wife and it, it's a very different, very different type of acting here. Um, but I love the fact that we have the girl as the hero, really. Um, her brother is there for some comedic relief. Um, her friend, Podcast, is there to also be some comedic relief and that supporting actor role but I love that the girl has the main the main pieces. She gets to put it all together. She gets to be the smart one, the one that saves the day. She's not waiting for her dad or her brother or mom's boyfriend or something like that. Like it's it's this super smart kid and there's a super smart teacher that believes she's a smart kid. And that's the other thing that I love. I mean, how many times as a kid did you say something or do something and the adult just blows you off, right? And this was a chance for her to have this adult person that could recognize she knew what she was talking about. It's fine to be smart there is nothing wrong with knowing more than other people and being smart. Um, I think too often you know people are picked on because they're they're brilliant and I think that's an admirable quality in a person. Um, we have Paul Rudd playing the science teacher, and they're in summer school um, and he doesn't want to teach clearly so first day of school, he puts in Cujo, um, <laughs> which, you know, what a movie to uh, to start the kids with. But I got to say, again, as somebody that grew up watching Cujo, it made me laugh because I remember being about that age watching Cujo. So, um, But Paul Rudd, I mean, do we really need to say more? Everything he touches turns to gold right now. People's current most beautiful man, Or no, sorry, it would be Sexiest Man, twenty twenty one, and he's so much fun to have in a movie. He's ageless, I think. um, Although, I think he gets more handsome as he gets older, and he embodies the keymaster perfectly. Um, I think it was very conceivable for me to remember Rick Moranis in this role and to see him in this role and they kind of have the same movements. Um, So again, continuity between the different movies there. Uh, They say Sigourney Weaver had a part in the movie. I don't know if it was just because they showed some of the clips with her from the first movies and that counts or uh, because honestly, I didn't see Dana in the movie outside of those clips. Maybe I missed something, Um, but I love Sigourney Weaver. So I, I would think that I would have noticed if she was in there somewhere, but maybe I missed it. Uh, so the premise of the movie, we have a mom and her two kids, and we learn that mom's father has just died, and she is barely making it, not really making ends meet for her family. Um, landlord comes to the door, and we find out that they are being evicted, and um, she asked for a little bit of time so she could go tie up some loose ends after her father died. And he's like, essentially, when you leave, I'm going to change the locks and slaps the eviction notice on her door. So they have nowhere to go off they head. They don't really tell us what town we're in or, or anything. I learned later near the end of the movie that this is actually Oklahoma that they go to. So... um I I know people that live in Oklahoma, and so this is kind of what I figured it must look like. Um, but uh, so off they go to Oklahoma to go take care of her father's home and, and everything. And what we find when they get there is this junkyard part in the front with some Bible verses on it from Revelation. Um Basically about the end of the world and whatnot, and then the house is an old, dilapidated, you know, like murder house. I think is what they called it when they when they see it, and there's nothing there. It's just it's everything's junk, um, and Janine, the original uh, from the movie, the first uh, Ghostbusters that played their secretary. Um, she is the one that handles his affairs. And so she came to see them. And so it's fun to see her again. She just has a real short, short um, spot. Um, And then off we go. So the kids go to summer school um, while mom is busy looking through everything. I'm not sure why the kids have to go to summer school, or at least Phoebe does. Maybe she wanted to go, and that's that's how she got there. They never really explained, because for most people, um, they're not just going to jump right to summer school if they are not falling behind or something. So we're not really sure on that. Um, her brother is exploring and finds a vehicle out in the barn, and the vehicle's fallen apart, doesn't start, and... As he pulls back the tarp, because in movies, vehicles are always stored in a barn that's falling down with a tarp. I don't know if this truly happens in real life, but it makes me think that every old farmhouse I drive by, if they have an old barn, if I go in it, I'm going to find a vehicle underneath a tarp in there and a serial killer. But Um, it's just kind of funny how certain things just always seem to reappear. But anywho, so Phoebe gets to meet her science teacher and um, they talk about this phenomenon that happens every single day where it's like there's an earthquake, but they're not on a fault line. Uh, There's no tectonic plate movement. There's nothing that should indicate that this should be an earthquake, there's no fracking happening nearby. So um, there's nothing that can explain it, but he's been trying to figure it out. And um, so they go back and forth about, you know, what do you know? And and they're trying to figure out these S waves and T waves and things that um, it looks more like a readout from an EKG than it does science, but maybe that's how earthquakes look, but, um, so the kids get involved in, in various things. So her brother being 15 tries to get a job at the local drive-in because a girl, he finds cute works there and he tells her that he's 17. And, um, so he starts getting all the crappy jobs and, uh, they take them up to the top of this mountain, which is really cool and picturesque. And um, he sees something down in the mountain. It's a mine, actually. And it's weird, and the whole place shakes. And, um, again, no real explanation for it. And um, the sister Phoebe is also exploring the house and finds um, some of her... Grandfather's ghost busting equipment. So he is, she finds uh, his, gosh, what is it? That thing kind of looks like a a little T and it lets you know when there's paranormal activity. Can't think of the name off the top of my head right now. Um, She finds that and eventually she starts following it and it leads her out to, I don't, I thought it was going to be an outhouse to be honest. And there's a, uh, like a fire pole, and without even thinking about it, without having a light, without having anything, she just jumps on the pole, flies down it, and ends up inside um, his, her grandfather's uh, workspace. And it's it's where he went. Uh, it's where he saved photos of his of his daughter. It's where he. Truly kept a memory of all of those moments. It's where he saved his experiments. And we also find one of the proton packs. And um, while she's down there, her grandfather actually helps her in like she pops open the back of the proton pack and she's like, oh, there's two missing whatever they are, batteries or something. And the light, which is meant to be her grandfather's ghost, um, sort of directs itself over to an area so she can grab them and put them in. And she realizes that that's her grandfather that's helping her put all this together. And slowly you start to see how the Ghostbusters will come back. And her brother is tinkering with, um, the car and finally gets it to start. And of course he takes off and there's a great shot of him flying around in, I think it's a wheat field or something. And it's, you know, he clearly has no idea how to drive. He's zooming all over the place. And it's just kind of a real fun scene about what would you do if you were 15, you were able to get a vehicle to start running and, you take off. What happens next? Where do you go? That kind of thing. So that's that's a fun little clip there. And slowly we start to realize that we have one of the Ghostbusters has to be their grandfather. And um, while Phoebe is downstairs in the workroom, she opens up a closet and sees all their Ghostbuster uniforms there. And... She is able to start putting these things together with her science teacher, and we learn that he was one of the Ghostbusters. And her science teacher tells us all about what they did, and then they just kind of went away. Um, And we learn that something happened with the Ghostbusters. Uh, Their relationship clearly fractured at some point, and Egon went out to Oklahoma and cut himself off from everybody. And um, so while Phoebe's doing some research, watching old YouTube videos, she writes down the Ghostbusters phone number and she calls it. And all we see is we see a hand reach for this phone and it has the same revelation uh, Bible verse tattooed on the inside of his arm. And... When um, when he raises the phone up to himself, we realize that it's Dan Aykroyd playing Ray, and he starts a- answering some of her questions about what happened, um, and then she says, "You know who her who her grandfather was," and um, you know they he realizes that that he's gone um, and, you know, so we know that at least one of the the other Ghostbusters is still alive. Um, and then we have where I would say the movie becomes the Ghostbuster movie. Once they kind of connect all the dots, like, you know, here's who this person is related to. Here's what happened between the Ghostbusters and why, Everybody else was in New York, and he came out to nowhere, Oklahoma, and um, we start putting those pieces together. Uh, so that's when chaos ensues, and they find a um, a ghost in a is it a meatpacking plant? I don't remember what the old plant was, but they find a ghost in there and Phoebe takes the proton pack and um they start chasing after him. They actually catch him. Um and then there's some fun about having to have they have to let him go. Uh and the cops chase them. They all end up in jail. Um Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard, finds out that the girl that he really likes is the daughter of the sheriff. So you know, there's some fun banter about being in the in jail and things like that. And um, we find out that the reason why he went out to Oklahoma is because Gozer is going to come back. And happens to be coming back right there in this mine, and it's where the the big apocalypse is going to happen. And he was there, essentially, as the gatekeeper to protect everyone, to keep them safe, and to not allow all of these ghosts and Gozer back again. And... The the parts with Gozer are very interesting. This is where if you are a fan of the series and you hear the music, you're going to recognize some of the music from the original movie. Uh, this is the part that I love because it it connects them differently. Um, so we know something spooky's coming, and Gozer is trying to come down to our plane. And mom and science teacher, Mr. Gruberson, they become the key master and the gatekeeper. So they do what Rick Moranis and um, Sigourney Weaver did in the first one and they turn into the big, I don't know, they hellhounds, dogs, whatever they are. Um, And then Gozer comes and the person playing Gozer. So we actually have multiple people that are playing Gozer for this one. Um, it is I Olivia Wilde. I think is is what they said uh, plays the main Gozer. Then there's somebody that does the voice, and there's somebody that does the um, uh, the the Parts where, because Gozer's not really a he or a she, they're a god. So um, it's where they, uh, they're more acrobatic or ballet like, or they're in contorting positions. Um, that is played by another person. So, you know, there's a whole lot of people involved just trying to create this one character who looks so much like the original Gozer did, um, sounds fairly similar. They use some of the same dialogue, which is a lot of fun as well. And um, it it's all very reminiscent. In fact, there were times that I was wondering if we were watching um, maybe an actor today with the original movie playing behind, and they just sort of... Put them together. I wasn't sure exactly how that might have, you know, might have been, um, but it it actually was different people playing the role, and um, it was all recorded nowadays. So they did a really good job there. Um, they added some similar things like in the original Ghostbusters, um, stay Puft Marshmallow Man is the major part at the end. And it's one of the funniest parts where, um, you know, first of all, Gozer asks Ray, are you a God? And and he says, no. And they have some banter saying, you know, well, if somebody asks you if you're a God, you always say yes. Well, this time, um, Gozer has some of the same dialogue. And with Gozer coming back, we don't have the 50 foot Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Instead, well, Mr. Goberman is in Walmart, he sees marshmallows and they turn into mini Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And they are hilarious. So they look all cute and friendly and they're like gremlins in a way where they're chaotic, they're causing mayhem, they're evil little bastards, um, but they're also really funny. So Every scene they were in sort of stole the scene, uh, and I imagine for Christmas, kids are going to get little mini Stay puff Marshmallow Men this year because they were just adorable. Uh, but anyway, things are looking bad for our main crew. Um, science teacher and mom are both hellhound dogs, and Gozer is descending upon them, And uh, Phoebe figures out how to how to end it, and they're all kind of in a predicament, um, and it looks like they may not be able to pull it off. And here comes the Ghostbusters. So we have Ernie, or sorry, Winston, played by Ernie Hudson, uh, Peter Venkman, played by Bill Murray, and Ray, played by Dan Aykroyd, showing up to help save the day. And there's a part where all of them kind of get knocked over and uh, Ray says something along the lines of, I don't recall it hurting so much because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're all going to break a hip. And the ghost of Egon shows up and you get this moment where it's very Star Wars, where you know this person is. Is deceased. They have passed away in real life. So there's no way he could have recorded this portion, but it was done in a way that it was so close and it gave everyone a chance to say goodbye. And Egon was able to help his granddaughter with the proton and they were able to bring it in line and take care of Gozer and all was well. Um, And then eventually the daughter forgives her dad and he disappears into the ether and essentially that's the end. Um, So it was, it was a really abrupt ending compared to how the first one ended, you know, ticker tape parades and all that. But I expect we'll probably see another movie maybe maybe this will be enough um since we sort of took care of Gozer had the original cast come back say goodbye to Egon and you know maybe maybe that'll be closure for everyone and this will be the end of the Ghostbuster series I I would rather see them end it on a positive note, and um you know with with something uh, just that makes you feel good like this was just a feel good movie. I feel like it didn't have some weird message, it wasn't trying to get me to i don't know stop doing something or start doing something. it was just it was just a good movie, so that was my very long winded uh, review, analysis, whatever, of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, again, good movie, highly entertaining. If you're not a huge fan, wait till it comes out for streaming on like, Netflix or something like that, uh, but well worth the two hours and four minute runtime. So that's all I have for you today. Take care and be well.